Almost Heaven. It's a podcast. No, nothing else. <laughs> That's all. Take me uh. home. <laughs> Totem Talk. Podcast. On Spotify. Oh, man. Just throw rhyming out the, the window right away. We don't Who need needs, any of that. It's alternative, man. That's right. It's, it's well, a, It was an alt pod. It's free verse. Exactly. Thank you. Of course. Welcome in, everybody. Season 6, Episode 2, The Battle of the Singer-Songwriters. Ah, Very excited. I forgot to silence my phone, and that's going to be in you, the episode now. That's fine, I guess. Hello, Mother. I'll, I'll call you back later. Yeah. Ah, <laughs> uh, well, Nick, how are you today? I've never been better because we're recording this on my favorite holiday, Lima Bean Respect Day. Respect those lima beans. I love yo. to respect lima beans. I am a huge now, lima bean respecter. I respected some lima beans I, earlier today. Excellent. I loved it. Now, I don't know if you know why I know this, but every day in my classroom, I always just look up like a list of all the holidays that take place on that day. And most sure. of them are just like super wacky. And I just find the wackiest one every day. And I post that on our agenda. <laughs> I never say like, hey, today is Thursday. I say, no, today is Lima Bean Respect Day. <laughs> and if anyone disrespects Lima Beans, they will be going to detention. Good. That's This is oh, how I start my day. I, I, I want them to go to detention so bad, though, now. Like, I need you to back that up and be like, ah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Not but I hear Lima Bean disrespect over there. I won't stand for it. On this day. Tomorrow? Yeah. Eh. Tomorrow we'll find out. Yeah, exactly. Well, Nick, I think anyway, we had a really interesting one today. We did. Um, as per our new formula, two artists, uh, head-to-head battle, and a really interesting uh, battle, I think. I agree. I uh, agree. Some positives, some negatives for both. Yeah. And I'm really looking forward to diving into it a little bit. Before we do so, I want to remind everybody, you're Nick, I'm Pat, this is Totem Talks. If you are enjoying listening to Totem Talks, please make sure you're giving us that feedback. Like, comment, subscribe, any of that stuff. Leave a review if you're feeling frisky. All that sure. fun stuff, any of it helps us uh, get better, get stronger, Yeah, and uh, take over the world. I mean, take over Spotify. Yeah, whatever. Whichever comes first. We want to be number one. We want to beat yeah. the JRE. Sure. That's our goal. <laughs> That's our goal. <laughs> uh, but anyway, our two singer-songwriters squaring off today. They are, of course, Cat Stevens and John Denver. Yeah. So, I was, anyway. when you said Cat Stevens, I was going to meow. And then I had a moment of terror. Like, what would I do to interpret, interpret Denver? Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> like, I, I, was, I had nothing for it. You could, like, be a little short of breath. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there you go. Um, cool. I think we're, yeah. we're ready to go here. I'm going to pull us in to, uh, to the Stevens. Cat Stevens train. Uh, so, Yusuf Islam, born Stephen Dimitri Giorgio, commonly known by his stage names, Cat Stevens, Yusuf, and Yusuf slash Cat Stevens. Yeah, I never would have guessed that. Like, I would have guessed his name was, like, something, maybe it started with C, but maybe it didn't, and Cat was just a nickname he got in childhood, but his sure. last name was Stevens. Like, I thought that was probably the case, but no, not at all. Yeah, I mean, I did know that he went also by Yusuf Islam. Yeah, I knew that, Which too, I might have I thought was... was his birth name. Oh, I knew that. Cat Stevens as a... Ch- as a whole controversy that ensued. Either way, uh, Mr. Islam slash Stevens slash Giorgio right. has been active from 1965 till the present day, using all of his various names uh, right. at different times. And we covered three albums. 
So we started with 1967's Matthew and Son. We followed that up with 1970's T for the Tillerman. And then, like, low-key, solid-ass album name for this third one, Mm. 2017's The Laughing Apple. Right. I don't know if that's better as an album name or, like, a small inn in, like, a village. I don't know. I like it, though. I do like the name. Now, to be clear... T for the Tillerman 2 has also been released, and we chose not to do it because we didn't want to listen to re-recordings of the same right. songs that we just did. We wanted to cover as much different music as possible. And he does have a new record that's coming out in June of this year. That is correct. We just didn't have a chance to get to because it hasn't been released yet. Yeah, there was a single. I don't know if you listened to it. It was, uh, Yeah, there was, a, there was a single. It was a single, and I don't want to give too many opinions on it because we're going to... Fair enough. Uh, do you popping. want me to... Start with Matthew and Son, then. Yeah, why don't you start with Matthew and Son? Sure. So this was actually the second time I listened to this record for the podcast, because I listened to it back when I was doing my series on 1967, and Cat Stevens debuting was one of the the artists that I caught when we were going through the year. Uh, And I actually, I, I have something to say about this that you may not love. I largely agree with Robert Christgau's take on this, because he referred to this record as a rarity, a forgotten record. That shouldn't be. This is, and and I think the reason why it's forgotten is because Cat Stevens, his famous era of folk music is not this. And so a lot of artists kind of separate themselves from their early work once they kind of settle into a sound that they like more. But this is like actually a really good and fun record to listen to. I really like the fact that he uses a wide variety of genres and styles like uh, very effectively to create very enjoyable pop rock sounds like maybe it sounds like a little stuck in 67 but like the good stuff like it's not if it's identifiable as late 60s but for all the right reasons i don't necessarily take that as a dig um i think the the title track is really really good um i love my dog which was the the first single i think that he released or one of his first songs that he wrote is also a pretty cool song like i I like all of all of it really i don't remember any songs that i thought were you know not quite ready to be on the record uh i thought it was really cool john paul jones and nikki hopkins both appear on the title track as the the bassist and keyboardist uh and otherwise quite the company yeah exactly uh cat plays keyboard guitar and sings and all the other stuff like he's he's pretty solid even though he's pretty young at this point Um, i think this is a really strong debut for an artist filled with stuff that will never be remembered like from his catalog because the rest of his hits once he starts to get really big are just totally different from this sure um listen here's what i'm gonna say cat stevens was born in 1948 this album came out in 1967 quick math i just quick math 19 19 just did that right in my head right (laughs) and i'm telling you right now this sounds like a 19 year old wrote it like very talented okay don't get me wrong it's enjoyable as heck it's wacky man it's a wacky wacky. album Mm -hmm. you can love it or hate it i'm not saying like i enjoyed it yeah it's like to not say like it's wacky like the lyrics are wacky like Mm -hmm. i love my dog while yes. I agree with the sentiment, of he's course. a song about how much he loves his dog. Yeah. Oh, it's silly. It's but the silly. Song it's goofy. Is good. It's catchy. They're yeah. good melodies. It's well written. I I agree with all of that. I just think that we it needed to be mentioned that oh sure this stuff is yes. is left field wacky. 
but very enjoyable. And there is a lot of genres uh, being mixed in. It's uh, it's got a lot of heavy influence in the folk scene. In like some, there's like some classical motifs that go through it, which is really interesting at times. Mm-hmm. I really enjoyed his playing. I mean, I'm pretty hit or miss with Cat Stevens' vocals. I think they're okay. Sure. Uh, didn't hate them by any means, but definitely not his strongest suit, mm-hmm. I would say. But overall, like an enjoyable album and an interesting debut. Yeah. I'll say that. It was knowing what I knew about Cat Stevens. Not what you'd expect. Not what I would expect. I only knew what to expect because it was not my first time hearing it. Right. Uh, so I'll go into uh, T for the Tillerman. This is a lot more what I expected from Cat, and I mean, what's there really to say? This is a very strong album, I would say. Uh, it's lauded. It's a very highly uh, lauded album, mm-hmm. and it contains his biggest song, Father and Son, or at least what I would call his biggest song. No, I'm sorry. Wild World, I would say, is his biggest song. Yeah, I would say Wild World. Uh, which is also on this album. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> both of those songs are on this album. I would say they're both big songs. Oh, yeah. And I think this shows in in not that many years. Like I said, 67. This came out in 70, so he's still early yep. 20s. A huge amount of growth. Yeah. This is somebody who clearly has written a ton of music since then and has just written and written and written and written and honed that like fine point into like how to evoke emotion while still having interesting melodies and interesting motifs and themes. And I think in every way it is a step up from the first album, and I really enjoyed it. Yeah, I'll actually talk a little bit later about why I think this is that change happened. Um, but yeah, I don't have too much different to say. It's a really good folk record. Uh, the The songs are are incredible. Uh, the hits that you mentioned, Wild World is an enduring hit. Father and Son, I think, is just one of the best folk songs ever. Probably one of the best songs ever. I think the emotion of that song uh, is really strong. We were meant talking about a little bit before we we went on yeah. air, uh, and the way that he uses two different octaves of singing to represent the father character and the son character talking to each other. Uh, like, it's a really beautiful song. Right? It, it's yeah, as good I, as they get, you know. Well, I would argue that it combines uh, two other really great songs: "Cats in the Cradle," similar motif. Sure. And when you just said the octave thing, you know what that what other song does that Nick very famously? Go ahead, Daryl Koenig. Ah, uh, yes, you're right. <laughs> You're right. I do love to. Okay. My my literal most memorable performance by you. <laughs> yeah. And I I've did. I've heard you sing what thousands of times at this point. Probably. It was the Earl King in college when I was like, oh damn, it's a bass, <laughs> a real human bass, <laughs> existent in the world. Oh, no, thank you. All right. Uh, let me move on to the Laughing Apple. Now's the time for that, right? Yes. So Laugh one thing apples. that you'll definitely notice is uh. Five of these tracks were previously recorded. Four of them were on his second record, New Masters. So he took a bunch of songs from right after Matthew and Son and re-recorded them, you know, 50 years later. Um, New to us, right? Yeah, exactly. Um, And so one thing I noticed is his voice. It's older. It's noticeably older, but it's not noticeably degraded. Like, as far as the quality overall that you're going to get, you're like, okay, he's definitely, like, an older man now. But I'm actually kind of surprised at how much he still sounds like himself. Um, so I take that as a, as an overall positive for him. And so I was looking, actually, at I, I went a little off track when I was listening to this. Okay. I was looking back at New Masters, 
uh, and I was thinking about, you know, the songs that he chose to to re-record for that record and which ones he didn't. Did you know, like, I, I don't know how I didn't know this, because I, I thought Rod Stewart wrote this song. Did you know Cat Stevens wrote the first cut as the deepest? And that no. was on the album New Masters. What? Cat Stevens wrote the song the first cut as the deepest. I don't that know how I didn't know that. Me. But that was on that record, and he uh, chose, that was one he chose not to, to uh, re-release, I guess. Fascinating. Okay. Yeah. And so I just like got totally distracted. I was like, my main takeaway from the Laughing Apple is the music is fairly on brand for him. Like it's all solid. Uh, I didn't like have the high highs of T for the Tillerman or anything like that. Yeah. But I mostly was like, okay, like he can still do it at his age was kind of my big takeaway. <clears throat> yeah, I completely agree with you. I think that his voice matured in a very rich way. There's a lot more depth and character to it without the signs of like an aging and a degrading. Yeah. And I I will spoiler alert, I listened to just the single off of the one coming out yeah, in twenty three. Right. Similar vibe. I mean Great. This is twenty seventeen, so we're talking so six years. And six especially years. at that point in your yeah. life that can I still didn't on. notice any significant drop off. Now I didn't look up when the songs were necessarily recorded uh sure. for the new album. So there's a chance that they're recorded earlier. Who knows how he is doing that, but I can tell you that it sounded good. His voice holds up. I don't want to really rehash what you said because I agree with everything that you said. I thought <clears throat> it was strong. <clears throat> oh, I want to say one more thing about the first cut is the deepest. Please do. So he sold the rights to that song to the okay. first person who made it famous, whose name was P.P. P. Arnold. <laughs> and <Okay. laughs> yes, she she is P.P. Uh, P. Arnold. Anyway. He sold it to her for 30 pounds. Wow. He sold that song. And then it later, of course, became a mega hit for Rod Stewart. And then again, yeah. Cheryl Crow. Um, I'm sure other people have also recorded versions of it. Ooh, I would Some notoriety as well. Um, but anyway, now, do we want to get into all the stuff about Cat? Yeah, Mike give us some stuff. Yeah, so, okay, so as is our uh, new thing, we have a couple questions that we ask. And uh, Nick was in charge of the Cat Stevens of yes. it all, and I'm in charge of the John Denver of it all. Exactly. So give us your cat facts. All right, so I have a lot of things that I feel like are all tied in together. They're all related. One thing goes to the next. So I, the one that I think I can peel out that, that least affects the others is my six degrees of totem talks. Okay. And this will answer the question from earlier about why he changed direction and musical style. I think I know where you're going with this, so but I'm, I'm happy. Cat Stevens is the second artist that I know of that we've covered who almost died from tuberculosis. Yeah. Yeah, so in, what was it, like, 69, he had 69. tuberculosis, and, like, he was really sick, and things were, were, like, not looking good for a while. But he eventually was able to recover, and then, like, from that point was where there was a definitive change in his style and direction. And, like, he kind of realized, I guess, while he was sick, what, which direction he wanted to go with his music. Uh, of course, the other person who we've covered on the show, who nearly died from tuberculosis as a child, actually started learning their instrument while they were very ill in the hospital. That would be, of course, Mr. Richard Starkey, better known as Ringo Starr. Yeah, an interesting uh, uh, an interesting six degrees. Yeah, exactly. Two fairly pivotal people in musical history who learned what they wanted to do by almost dying of tuberculosis. Seems like it's the <laughs> thing to do. Yeah, of course. Now, for my unique thing, I mean, every there's one thing everybody knows about Cat Stevens slash Yusuf Islam, and it's that he, you know, 
converted to Islam, changed his name, changed a lot of things about himself when he went through this like kind of religious transformation. And for most unique, I mean, that's got to be it because in particular, he left music at first. Like it was at first he was just out of the scene. Like it wasn't that he was back in and just making religious music at first. That came later. He had just had eight straight albums go at least gold, if not platinum or multi-platinum in the United States. Yeah. And then <clears throat> just left. And it's like, nope, done. And I don't know how many people you're going to find having riding that level of success record after record after record and just be like, nope, not anymore. I'm done. Uh, so I put that for most unique. Uh, hopefully that makes sense. And now. Yeah, that's very unique. I would, uh, yeah, I would okay, say that's good. pretty darn unique. So um, now we're getting into the religious conversion stuff, right? So a lot of the nice, mean, low light, highlight stuff is going to come from this place. Right. Um, and so I'm going to go with, I guess it's the meanest thing. It, his comments about the fatwa on Salman Rushdie, like this was a, yeah. a huge deal. Um, essentially, this was in 1989, and he was on an Australian television uh, show called Jeffrey Robertson's Hypotheticals. Um, and he brought on guests to talk about the Ayatollah had just declared the death fatwa against Salman Rushdie. And they were discussing it. And I'll just read the transcript of part of the conversation that was really controversial. So uh, Robertson said, you don't think that this man deserves to die? He said, who? Salman Rushdie? Yes. Oh, yes, yes. And do you have a duty to be his executioner? Uh, no, not necessarily, unless we were in an Islamic state and I was ordered by a judge or by the authority to carry out such an act. Perhaps, yet. Perhaps yes. Robertson then said, would you be a part of the protest, Yusuf? Uh, would you go to a demonstration where you knew that an effigy was going to be burned? And he said, I would have hoped that it'd be the real thing. So yikes. People were very upset with him. He has like very solidly since then say, you know, it was like a tasteless joke. I shouldn't have been talking like that. I don't support killing him. Like he has since said that over and over again, many, many times, but, uh, that's a rough hole to dig yourself out of. Yeah, it's it's yeah. A, it, it was problematic. Yeah, I would agree. So anyway, that sort of gets me into the low light of his career. So because of of his religiosity, uh, on September twenty first, two thousand and four, he was denied entry into the United States. He was on his way to to meet up with Dolly Parton because she wanted to record uh, a cover of one of his songs on her next record, and. His plane, which was heading into Washington, D.C. to meet her, was diverted up to somewhere in Maine, I think, uh, where he was arrested by officials from the Department of Homeland Security and flown back to the U.K. And just like, nope, sorry. But he has since been taken off the no-fly list, but he was he was on the no-fly yeah. list. Um, I, I understand. I mean, rough. Yeah, I mean... I, and there's something to be said about the the atmosphere of the United States in the early 2000s and the just blatant Islamophobia is like anyone in any way associated with Islam was just like, oh, yeah, 100%. no, bad. Uh, and like, you know, it's he shouldn't have been on the no fly list. I, I don't I'm know what was going on. Like, not whatever. For him to yeah. You know, whatever his comments were in 1989, like, I don't think there was ever an indication that he was a threat or a violent person. Yes, and I think you said it best. Like at the time, the early two thousands, for the right reasons or the wrong reasons, there was a biased and prejudiced that I believe, hopefully, has since gone in a better direction. Uh, at least 
Yeah. Global, at least publicly. Sure. You know, and and mm-hmm. I think that it was bad timing, uh, and that's a, an sure. unfortunate reality of the world, and it's not necessarily Cat's fault, but right. It now, just sucks. I will say, right in around that time and during that time, uh, are what I'm going to call his career highlights, which are a few awards that he won. Sure. So he won in 2003 something called the World Award, which was award given out by uh, Mikhail Gorbachev, of all people, for humanitarian relief work helping children and victims of war. Mm-hmm. He won uh, in 2004 the Man of Peace Award from the World Summit of Nobel Peace Laureates for his dedication to promote peace, the reconciliation of people, and to condemn terrorism. Uh, he won in 2015 the Steiger Award um, for his commitment to charitable, charitable product, projects. And in 2007, he was given an honorary degree from the University of Exeter in recognition of his humanitarian work and improving understanding between Islamic and Western cultures. So I think those types of things are the things that he would consider the highlights of his career. Sure. And I understand that. For if I, yeah. yeah. I uh, I like it. And that's uh, all I got to say about Cat. That's Cat. I think what we'll do now is take a short break and then come back with John Denver. Beautiful. Henry John Deutschendorf Jr., known professionally as John Denver, uh, was an American guitarist, singer, composer, actor, humanitarian, and environmentalist. And he was active... Uh, from 1962 until his passing in 1997. And we covered three albums, uh, as is our want. Uh, we started uh, with John Denver Sings, which is just... Correct. It just lets you know. <laughs> it just lets you know. Uh, that came out in 1966. We followed that up with Back Home Again from 1974. And then we closed it out with All Aboard from 1997. I, th- I hope I, I put enough uh, joie de vivre in the all aboard. That was very nice. I really Thank you. I did. It. I did my best. Uh, and I guess I'll start. Uh, I'll start uh, chomping here about John Denver sings. Please. Here's what I'll tell you. It, John Denver sang. It was good. I mean, it was simple. It was not, you know, it's not anything crazy. It's not anything over the top, I would say. But it's nice. It's simple. It's very of the time, I think. Uh, John Denver has like, you know, a rather lilty, folky voice, mm-hmm. which, you know, is enjoyable to listen to. Very iconic to him. Like, it's a very unique sounding voice. Oh, that's interesting because I have a, a it was bugging me the whole time while he was singing. I'm oh, like, that it sounded like someone else. Who does he sound like? Who does he oh. sound like? And I figured it out. Do you want to know? Oh, yeah, I want to know. He sounds like now I say this with better voice control and okay. like. Let's say if Phil Oaks had like three or four years of vocal lessons. Ooh. That's what John Denver sounds like. Interesting. I'll and have to go back and compare I figured it out because one of the songs on this record was a Phil Oaks cover. Yeah. And when I was listening to it, I was like, oh, man, who does he sound like? Oh, it's Phil Oaks. <laughs> I'll have to go back and compare them. That's a, mm-hmm. that's very interesting. I didn't com- I didn't make that connection in my head. Yeah. So. But, I mean, here's the thing. Overall, enjoyable for a debut and interesting. It's a mix of, uh, like you said, a mix of covers with some originals uh, mixed in. Maybe a few. Maybe mostly a few. Covers. Mostly covers. And, mostly Beatles. <laughs> yes, that is also true. And uh, Which is interesting, I think, because I would argue that John Denver is well-known as a songwriter. Mm-hmm. So it was interesting to have a, uh, mostly covers. Sure. But... I, I I enjoyed it. I don't have too much to say. Yeah, it was a rather plain debut, I think, but a good one. Yeah, exactly. I I totally agree. I 
enjoyed it. I I feel like it's a good sing along type of record. Um, I liked the Beatles covers, although I feel like they were missing a little something. They didn't quite have like all of maybe it was not enough vocal parts going on or something sure. like that that it was missing because I found myself always missing like one of the harmonies or backing vocals that was missing in those songs. Um, but uh, of course, you didn't mention "Babe, I Hate to Go" being on this record, which is oh. just leaving on a jet plane, but not. Yes, uh, that is very true. It was interesting to listen to, and as I mentioned to Nick before we started, the second time uh, that's happened with us. Mm-hmm. So that happened last week, where. Uh, yeah. Oh my God, Nick. Nick, help me. I would love to. Who did we do last week? Bill Haley and Eddie Cochran. Bill Haley and the Comets. Mm-hmm. Rock around the clock. Oh my God, mm. my brain. Yes, my brain lots of versions for of that a second there. Well, that so that is that. Well, I can't speak Hello. English words. Understandable. That is what it reminded me of. So okay. Bill Haley and his comments had like three or four different variations of Rock Around the Clock. So then John Dover comes with. <laughs> Babe, I hate to see you go. And right. But it's leaving on a jet plane. It's leaving on a jet plane, like, yeah. all the way through, just with mm-hmm. a slightly different tempo. Slightly, yeah. Uh, but I, almost I enjoyed know. it. Yeah. Uh, and so did I. And I will say, kind of moving on, very similarly to Cat Stevens, when you get to back home again. Again, we've gone, um, I want to say, was it from late 60s to early to mid 70s? Yeah. Um, here's a guy who kind of figured out what his sound actually is in that span. Um, and his sound is a lot more country than it was on the first record, just like Cats was a lot more folk yes. than it was on the first record. Again, though, I was kind of surprised because, like you said, known as a songwriter, four of the, the 12 songs on here were covers. So he is doing a, a lot of covering of other songs. Yeah, I think the more that I looked at it, so I did have uh, John Denver, so I looked at it's just more like a volume thing. So John Denver has so many albums. Sure. And a lo- like he's written, I think the rough number of songs he's written is well over 200. Okay, wow. So he's okay. written a lot of songs sure. and has just had come out with so many albums that sure they are interspersed. Yeah, fair enough. Uh, so you do get a couple of the, the big Denver hits here, one of them being the cover of Thank God I'm a Country Boy, uh, and the other being Annie's song. Uh, which is a very, very good song. Uh, yes, and on the cover of the album is his then-wife, Annie Martell. Right, Annie exactly. Right, so overall, even though, I mean, like, the more country it is, the, a little bit less for me, but I did enjoy the record for the most part. Um, he's got a he's got a nice voice. He definitely, he sings well. I thought Matthew was a nice little uh, tribute to his uncle. Um, <clears throat> yeah. But all in all, you know, it, it, it wasn't as... The high, highest teeth for the Tillerman for me, even though I did like it. Um, but it just didn't quite have, like, Annie's song and Thank God I'm a Country Boy are not quite Wild World and uh, Father and Son to me. That could that That's a matter of taste, fair, to be fair. Sure, and I totally get where you're coming from. I think that the difference between the two is, I think, the behind the vocals for Cat is a little stronger, and maybe mm-hmm. the writing of those two songs. But I think that, like... In the overall, I think there's a lot of consistency to John Denver's writing, sure, and a stronger vocal performance. There so is there's definitely, definitely trade offs to be made there, mm-hmm. and I think that's one of the reasons there's such a good comparison. Yeah, like, they, they do what make do for you like more, a consistency or some peaks and valleys? Because they're, I mean, yeah. I love my dog. You can't say is a well written song vocal. No, but it's just fun. It's fun. So I think there's highs and lows. Um, mm-hmm. As far as that goes, I agree with all of your sentiments about this. I 
enjoyed it for the most part. I thought there was, uh, again, as I said before, a consistency to it mm-hmm. that uh, I enjoyed listening to. I think John Denver has a very nice, like, classic lilt to his voice. Fits very well in the country scene. Uh, I I don't love that you're missing all of his biggest hits. Sure, I mean, uh, which some, I mean, you, you get leaving get... on a jet plane, but you're not yeah. getting like Rocky Mountain High. You're not getting Take Me Home Country Roads. You're you're missing. You you know you're not getting like Calypso. You're missing a lot of yeah I songs mean, that I think a are lot bigger of cats, hits. Big hits. Sure, there. I know, but I I just it's a little it's a little sucky that we're not getting any yeah. of them. Like at least we got Wild World. Sure, but formulaically, that's just the way it rolls. Uh, and then uh, the most expected album of all, uh, we're going to close things out with All Aboard, uh, which was the 27th and final studio album. Uh, and it is an album of old-fashioned swing, big band folk, bluegrass, and gospel music woven into the theme of railroad songs. Yes. yes sure. It and it's a children's music album. And it's, I mean, listen, it's not bad. I'm not going to sit here and say it's a bad album. Because it does exactly what I just like what it sets out to do. It's a, it's an album that's about trains. If you like trains, riding in trains, talking about trains, dreaming of trains, you're gonna love this album. <laughs> if you are maybe a train conductor, I think you'll really enjoy sure. this album. It is super random. <laughs> it is so random. I mean, so like, okay. I had no idea. I saw all the board. Yeah, I, I wasn't it. thinking either. Yeah, I was just like, all I board. It, all right, I that's listened, a- and I hear the song "Jenny Dreamed of Trains," and I'm mm-hmm. like, interesting. Sure, but that could just be the first track. Like it, right. it didn't occur to me by the third song. I was like, okay, so this whole album's about, like, trains. about trains. <laughs> it goes, "Jenny Dreamed of Trains," freight train boogie, steel rails, waiting for a train. I'll tell you what, I was holding out until I heard the cover of I've Been Working on the Railroad. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, oh, okay. But here's the thing. It's all done well. Sure, there's nothing I mean, wrong John with Denver it. still can sing. Like, it all sounds good. It's yep. done, like, very good quality. And it does exactly what you want it to do. Mm-hmm. Like, it, it, it's about trains. Yes. <laughs> it's, a, it's an album about trains. Yeah, I mean that's that's pretty much all I have to say about it. So it actually it won the Grammy for children's album that year. Sure. And it's like okay, it knows what it is. It's a children's album about. Look, I've listened to some it. children's albums, and it is definitely towards the top of them. Sure. Yeah i i got I got nothing against it. Um, I'll never listen to it again. <laughs> but you know, I here's the thing though. You want to talk about theme? You have very consistent the theme of trains. Very consistent. But also, you start with Jenny Dreamed of Trains, and you close out with Jesse Dreamed of Trains. It's a great point. So, like, come Will on. they ever meet? <laughs> Who knows? That's what I'd like to know. Um, but the other thing that's interesting <laughs> about this, that based on, like, the first two records we got and the conversation we had about it, it's all covers, man. Yeah, it's all <laughs> covers. Which is why like I we're not to getting be... any of the John Denver songs. Yeah, which is what I was so saying. I was so disappointed about it. Sure. Like, there's a ton of John Denver left on the table here. Yeah. That we just didn't get to experience. And I, it's a good time for me to talk about the John Denver questions here. Yes. So uh, I would say in terms of uniqueness, something that not a lot of artists have, which does tie into the, the biggest tragedy, which is his unfortunate passing. He was an avid pilot and collector of planes who owned at least six planes in his life. 
Which is a lot of planes. That's more planes than you or I will ever own combined. Yeah. So he owned multiple different planes, including a Learjet that he would fly to gigs. Huh. Uh, so that, like that, I mean, he just owned a jet that he would fly himself to gigs and performances and concerts. Um, he did unfortunately pass away in a single plane crash. He was the pilot of the plane. So there is tragedy, but it's definitely a unique thing about him. Yeah. That he was that an is. accomplished pilot and a collector. I didn't even know that, actually. Yeah, he owned like a few Cessnas, a Learjet, like I said, a couple different things. Uh, now, I'll talk about the good things, uh, like the uh, the highlights, I think, of his life. Not necessarily career, because we'll get there, but like I think things that he would be happy to talk about uh, are the Windstar Foundation. Uh, so John Denver was huge in terms of promoting sustainable living, and mm-hmm. he founded the Windstar Foundation in 1976 to promote sustainable living and, you know, not bleeding the, the earth dry, yeah, which is very important. And I also think that uh, another thing that is really good that John Denver did was after Chernobyl, he was so, like, dismayed or dismayed about the tragedy of Chernobyl that he very, like, groundbreakingly, like, people didn't do this, hosted and led a bunch of concerts in, uh, in uh, oh my gosh, communist Europe and Asia. Oh. Uh, during like right after that to like raise money and spread awareness yeah. about Chernobyl, hmm. which led to a lot of other artists doing it. So he kind of cool. led the way of that and like blazed that trail, which is really good. Uh, now I'll talk about uh, his career highlight, I, which is basically I just want to give a couple of awards that he won. So I do want to mention he was inducted in 1996 to the Songwriters Hall of Fame. So even though we got mostly covers, mm-hmm. we can't. We can't deny that. <clears throat> so that happened. He also did win a few Grammys. He's in the Grammy Hall of Fame for Take Me Home Country Roads, Makes as sense. well as his only other album to win a Grammy is All Aboard for Children's. But hey, <laughs> that's fine. Yeah. Um, he he did win uh, an Emmy Award as well for An Evening with John Denver. Uh, I think his biggest award, though, at least the one that I can recognize, he's won two. He was named the Poet Laureate of Colorado in 1977. Nice which is a huge honor. Yeah. And also in 1985, he won the NASA Exceptional Public Service Medal because he was really big in, you know, NASA and space race and all those things. Mm -hmm. So I think those are two big uh, awards for Mr. Denver. Very cool. And I think all of that just leads me to uh, his six degrees. Uh, Well, I'll mention his low light real quick. And it it really is a common one for artists, unfortunately. He did struggle with uh, reckless driving and driving under the influence. He had a couple busts for it, as well as he was married three times. And uh, they kind of all stemmed from fame and fortune kind of getting to him and breaking apart his marriages. Mm. So I guess I could count them as the low lights. Sure. uh, Which is unfortunate. Uh, as Annie Martell said that, uh, he cut their marital bed in half with a chainsaw, which is pretty crazy. Yeah. Uh, like not, not metaphorically. You mean, I, it doesn't say metaphorically in in what I read. I assume it's metaphorical, Okay, but either way, it's still, it's, uh, it's saying that the career demands, Denver's career demands drove him and Annie Martell apart and, that happened uh, throughout. And uh, again, in the 90s, he did plead guilty to dri- driving drunk, was on proba- probation, charged again while on probation. You know. Sure. It is unfortunate. Uh, they did uh, They did also say in 1996, 
Uh, they determined that Denver was medically disqualified from operating an aircraft due to his failure to abstain from alcohol. Uh. So that makes the 1997 plane crash in a home-built yeah. aircraft a little more tragic and rough. But the six degrees of totem talks. Yes. I went real simple. <laughs> All right. I went real simple. So there was a biopic for John Denver. Now, in this biopic, uh, the man who played John Denver was Chad Lowe. Now, Chad Lowe, younger brother of Rob Lowe, Rob Lowe was in a show called Parks and Recreation. This is all correct. Parks and Recreation also starred a young actor named Chris Pratt. Uh, So far, so good. Chris Pratt starred in a little-known franchise called the Marvel Cinematic Universe as Star-Lord in Guardians of the Galaxy. And on the soundtrack of Guardians of the Galaxy was a song song called I'm Not in Love by 10CC. (laughs) Oh, uh, that, okay. Yes. What do you mean? Nice and simple. It Got was, right there. That was good. That A was to really B. Good. Okay. I guess let's just grade them now. <laughs> yeah, let's do it. All right. So, cultural impact, Cat Stevens. I think it's a lot. Um, I think so, too. He was inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in 2014 and the Songwriters Hall of Fame in 2019. So, he's got those points. He's also had a bunch of hits. Uh, he sold a ton of records. He very, very notoriously had his you know his religious revolution uh and that was a whole thing and then he released a ton of religious music thereafter which was very popular in other parts of the world um so yeah i don't know what else there is to say he he's definitely like a couple points above average sure i i don't disagree with you i'm curious what you think that uh, would become what number you're looking for here I would pro- I would have to say it's got to be in like the seven range, in the seven seven and a half range. Yeah, I was thinking I was thinking around a seven. I wasn't thinking too high. I think the John Denver and uh, and Cat Stevens are in similar spots, and we'll get there into the John Denver spot. I'm similar. We'll talk similar. So, okay, because I would say <laughs> when it comes to like gauging their success in terms of overall album sales, the estimates for Cat are like. 60 million as Cat Stevens and 100 million overall between Cat Stevens and Yusuf. Yeah. So, like, that's a, it's hard to go as low as seven for somebody who's in, like, potentially the 100 million record club. Potentially. And I understand that. Um, I'm willing to, I'm not willing to go all the way to seven and a half. I'll say How about that. a seven three? Uh, a seven three, I could live with. Okay. Denver, I do think, is lower than that. Very successful, would, definitely above average. I would say Denver's definitely above average. I think that you look at the sheer number. So Denver has recorded and released approximately 300 songs, about 200 of which he composed, as I mentioned. Right. Uh, he had 33 albums and singles that were certified gold or platinum in the U.S. Yep. With estimated sales of more than 33 million. Yep. So. Pretty good. It's not 100, but 33 is nothing to scoff it's... at. And I think 33 albums certified gold or platinum. Mm-hmm. That's or thirty three albums or singles and singles, yeah. I mean, that's still a huge number for sure. So, just we're talking maybe not quite up in the sevens range, but I think a six and a half is, is oh definitely within the realm. Yeah. There. Oh, I, I'm I'm with you. Yeah. So I think I that can... I think that we can give him that for sure. Okay. Now, when it comes to the breadth of work, so this depends. 
Do you want us to talk strictly Cat Stevens, or are we including the, any the albums he released as Yusuf Islam? I think we're not going to go back and talk about Yusuf Islam, and we did do Cat Stevens slash Yusuf Islam with the Laughing Apple. Yeah. I think it's all it's all it's the all same. the same man. Okay, so the because of that, uh, we're in like the twenty to thirty album range, probably closer to thirty. Sure, uh, which starts him at a six point four. We're at about 100 million records sold, uh, which is like a 7.4. And then from there, um, just considering how much of the stuff with Yusuf there is or, or later on, I'd be willing to give maybe like a point two. Sure. Um, okay, so you're... I'm putting him at a 7.6, and I wouldn't say that you didn't like him if you just left it there. And I think I will. I don't think I want to add anything. I think the first album was fun, but I wouldn't give it any points. And I think the third album, my only thing with it was that he held up well. Sure. Again, wouldn't add anything to it. Yeah. And I'm, I'm fa- like, I liked, I really enjoy the two songs, mm-hmm. Father and Son and Wild One, Wild World, but I'm okay leaving him at a 7.6. Sure. Uh, John Denver has released, let's see, how many records? A ton, you say? 27 20. albums. 30 studio albums is what I see. There might be oh, uh, either compilations some, or posthumous. Some of them are were with the the Mitchell Trio, maybe. Oh yeah, the, yes. So his solo albums. I saw that All Aboard was his twenty seventh album. Perfect, twenty seven it is. Uh, so again, that starts him at a six point four. Yeah. His sales are going to take him closer to like a six point eight ish, give sure. or take. And then, how many points would you like to give from there? I would like to give him a point one. I again, I I feel like we missed a lot of his best stuff. Which is just unfortunate in terms of sales, but I mean we can't act like those songs didn't exist. I agree, uh, and so I want to give him just a point. I feel similarly, so I'm going to give him a seven and move on to instrumental talent. And I think Cat Stevens' strength here is his multi instrumentalism, mm-hmm. and I think his weakness is that he doesn't show off, you know, ever particularly on any of them. Like, yeah. not that he's not a very competent musician; he certainly is. Yeah. But he's just very solid across the board. Yeah, like, I, I don't this think might there's be like any the moments of shine. One rule where like you get slightly over for being able to do it that well on multiple instruments, unless you disagree. And I would agree. No, I think that's perfect. Okay. John Denver, on the other hand, I think definitely is going to get bumped up by his, his vocal ability here. Yes. I think that he has a very good vocal styling, especially for the genre that he's in. I think it fits very well with that classic country sound. I think that the guitar work is really strong at times. Again, he he doesn't show off. Yeah, but I it's all have very rated consistent. Their instrumental prowess any differently, really? Right. So I think he just gets bumped up a little bit for good vocals, and I'm fine bumping him up to like maybe like a five four. Sure, you got it. Songwriting, I think we're probably looking at above average for both of these guys. They're both in the Songwriters song Hall of Fame. Fame. It's hard to to look at that and not give them at least a not above average. Um, yeah. One thing that I think I like a little bit more in Cat's favor is, well, we've talked about some of the drawbacks of his first record. It is like a really good record to listen to that uses several different genres. Like he's incorporating different things, his influences from both like the Bob Dylan, Simon and Garfunkel folk end, and also like the Beatles. Like yeah. you definitely hear a lot of that influence. Whereas a lot of Denver's early stuff is covers and just kind of like plain acoustic stuff. So I think Steven showed himself to be a little bit more versatile, um, but maybe a little bit more Hill and Valley-ish. 
Sure. Like, I think that Denver had what what I think many, and I definitely think we would include as the more classic start in that time period mm-hmm. yeah. for a singer-songwriter. And I think that Cat had a much more unique start to his yeah. career in the in the 60s. Mm-hmm. It was super common to release like, hey, this person's singing now. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's almost exactly what happened with Willie Nelson. Like, sure. Very similar of like, hey, Willie Nelson's singing a bunch of covers now. What Like, it just yep. was what it was. Uh, I think that they both have their strengths. I think that, yeah, maybe we give Cat a little bit here for mm-hmm. the for the composition of it all. Yeah. Uh, what numbers are we thinking here? Um, I'm still probably bit like in the mid five to low six wide range. I think I'm I'm somewhere around there. Yeah, I was thinking my numbers that I had were a five nine and a five six. And I am good with that. I was thinking both of them above average. Both of them yeah. get points for their songwriting, especially the span of it. Sure. Even though we again didn't get a lot of the hits. Mm-hmm. We know of them. Exactly. And I think we might find ourselves in a similar place for the the next thing, Poetic Talent. Like, maybe not as high as songwriting uh, for me. There were, like, some some wonky things on the first record, but then there's some really great Poetic Talent shown on, yeah. this, on T for the Tillerman, if you're cat, you know? It's the battle of... You know, it's the battle of the hills and the valleys. Exactly. Like, you're factoring in father and son, which is up there in the, the nines. Uh, easy. Yeah. Um, so, I, I don't know. I guess I, I land in the fives again for Cat Stevens here. Um, I'm fine with that. Maybe a little bit lower than the five nine we gave him for songwriting. More like a five six or so. Sure. I think a five six is a really good spot. And, and I, then, I'm a little bit lower again for John yeah. Denver. And this mm-hmm. is just really the genre and of the time period. Lyrics are simplified. Even his biggest hits, if you look at them, like Take Me Home Country Roads is a good song. It's not exactly, you know... It's not poorly written. <laughs> it's not poorly written, but it's not necessarily like pure poetry either. I'd right. be fine maybe bumping him down to like a five four, five three range. Sure, I'll give him the I'll give him the benefit of the doubt. I'll give him the five four. Sure. And I think there's X factor to be had for both of these artists as Correct. well. In the two things that we've already mentioned. For Cat, I think it's largely um a combination of his charitable work and his conversion which was like you know a very big deal when it happened and it was you know pretty huge news and for denver it's his charitable work and also his death and there is one more thing for for john denver okay that i've avoided talking about this whole time it's one of his biggest songs rocky mountain high is the official state State song song of colorado Colorado. that is that's got to be something x factor wise okay like it's got to be a little bit that i mean who else has a state song i don't know I would I assume Israel Comic of Vivole. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a great... That's I don't know for point. sure, but I would assume one of his songs is somewhere in Hawaii State songs. Yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to look into that. But anyway, uh, how many how many X-Factor points are you thinking for Cat? For Cat, I mean, I think you could easily argue, like, in the point, point and a half range. Yeah, I agree. A lot, was... lot of stuff from him, good and bad controversies, as well as philanthropy and and good things like that. So I think... You know, in X Factor, most of the time, all publicity is good publicity in terms of these points. Sure. Okay. Um, so I'm going to give him a 1.2. Sure. And then for Denver? I think it's a little bit higher. I mean, I think uh, yeah, that's fair. I think the groundbreaking in terms of, like, going and touring after Chernobyl, I think his mm-hmm. foundation, his work with NASA, as well as his tragic passing, and the state song. I'd so be there fine is him... another artist that we've covered who has a state song. Oh. I can't who? believe we... Actually, I think two... What? 
that we've covered. Okay. One now we that you're never going to get is okay, Woody Guthrie wrote a song called Oklahoma. Well, okay. Or Oklahoma Hills, excuse me. I'm sorry. Sure. Uh, so Woody Guthrie has that one. The other one you're going to kick yourself when you... It's Georgia On My Mind by Ray Charles. <laughs> That's a good point. Like, uh, as soon as you of see course. it, it's like, ah, well, no shit. <laughs> of course it is. Yeah. Well, regardless. I'll give Denver two points. How does that sound? I was thinking two points exactly. And I'll tell you, this one was a horse race all the way to the end. Yeah. This was really close. close. So in second place this week. No, we don't have. Wah, no. Wah, there we go. Uh, with a score of 31.9. Wow. That's second? Was John Denver. So close. Yeah. Well, and, I assume. Yeah. And winning this week with a 32.7. Oh, really close. Was Cat Stevens slash Yusuf Islam. So it was within a point. It was within a point. It really came down to the wire. Yeah, that's crazy. Right? Wow. Okay. Well, a really good episode. <laughs> yeah, I, mean, I think we're going to see something similar next week. Not to spoil, but our, I, our theme for next week right. when hopefully you come back is it's going to be two country legends squaring off against each other. So Yeah, a very interesting episode. Uh, th- this is fun. I mean, I have I to say, like, the head-to-head aspect, going a little bit deeper into the artist. I don't know how you're feeling at home, but I- I'm enjoying the new format here. Agreed. I think that it's uh, it's refreshing. So hopefully you guys are enjoying listening to it uh, under the new the new format. And please let us know if there's something that you don't like or something that we could be doing differently or better. Or worse. Any of that fun stuff. <laughs> yeah, or worse. If we're doing anything too well. Uh, yeah, please uh, please let us know. Keep us, keep us uh, on the straight and narrow here. And uh, thank you so much for listening. Thank you for tuning in each and every week. Uh, And most importantly, have a great day.